Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This evening, we continue in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, and we look particularly at the fruit of kindness. And of course, what that was illustrated that Pastor John was not very kind in my selfishness with the cookies or I wanted to make a lot of how wondrously generous I was to the kids. So I'm so kind and so generous. But in fact, that's not kind at all, is it? That's the self-centeredness problem that's so problematic in so many of us. But my hope tonight is that we would look into the heart of kindness by looking at God and then that we would see God's call to kindness amongst us, his followers. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, through verses, verse 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is God's Word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that by your Spirit, you would produce in us fruit, the fruit of kindness as we study your Word about kindness, true, godly kindness. We pray this in the glorious name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, there is a poverty of kindness in this church, isn't there? As we've studied this letter, specifically chapter 5, we were reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The fact is, the church of Galatia was in great peril spiritually, a community centered on themselves. Various factions amongst the church was tearing it apart, and we clearly see they were biting and devouring each other. But I do think it's important that the Apostle Paul says this in verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as we've said previously about the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine, but that love typifies all of them. That they are all expressions of love, the following eight. And I think that is proved correct when we see the context here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, especially Paul's adamant uh, command to love your neighbor as yourself. This fruit of the Spirit, kindness, has been defined uh, by a pastor named Timothy Keller as this. Kindness, 
which is an ability to serve others practically in a way which makes me vulnerable, which comes from having a deep inner security. Its opposite is envy, which leads me unable to rejoice in another's joy. And its fake alternative is manipulative good deeds, doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and feel I am good enough for others or for God. I did express that up here in the children's message. How, how wonderful I thought I was and how wonderfully kind I was. But of course, that is not kindness. That is a counterfeit. That is a counterfeit kindness that's all based on what, how kindness benefits me. Well, that's not kindness, is it? That's self-centeredness. Using kindness or phrases in such a way in order to benefit oneself, clearly, Pastor Timothy Keller is helping us to understand this word of kindness. And this comes really from all the lexicons that he studied that I have looked at as well. And I found it to be the best definition for kindness as we come to God's word this evening. But let's look at the kindness of God, the source. In fact, as we look at all the fruit of the Spirit, aren't these the communicable attributes of God himself? These are God's attributes, in fact. So it does make sense we call them the fruit of the Spirit. There are his communicable attributes supernaturally given to us, the church. And I do think that's important to understand. There's incommunicable attributes, those which we do not have, and communicable attributes of God. The first text I want to look at for the kindness of God is the kindness of God to Israel. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Now, the Apostle Paul is speaking directly to the Jewish community within the church at Rome. And maybe he's actually also speaking to the Jewish community outside of the church that lives in Rome. We're not quite certain about that point, but it's clearly directed towards the Jewish community within the church. I'll go again. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? We looked at that the other evening. Not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. The Apostle Paul, as the, as the speaker of God, the messenger of God, is reminding the Jewish community in the church of God's kindness to his covenant people. But he also reminds them that that covenant kindness that God bestowed was rebelled against, wasn't it? Again and again in Israel's history. Again, a reminder of truly the sad condition of the soul, the contemptible diagnosis of the soul. In fact, what we know about God's kindness in the Old Covenant is that God's kindness was there calling people to repentance. You see the book of Judges. Was not God often kind? Look at that, the long periods of time where God's people rebel against God. 
They forget the covenant of God and worship the gods that surrounded them. And then in their suffering and oppression by which God gives them over, they cry out to the Lord. And the Lord sends what? A judge, does he not? Does he not? A deliverer to deliver them. But then that judge rules for a period of time. And then the cycle continues. In every single judge, you see the same cycle. God was very patient, wasn't he, in those generations. He was very patient with Israel for these 800 years of occupying the land before they were driven out of the promised land. And I do believe the Apostle Paul is referring to this at least as he's speaking about the stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. If a man or a woman does not listen to the kindness of God, the only thing that awaits them eternally is judgment. That's what Paul is saying here. But God is kind, isn't he? And we saw he was patient, and you see patience and kindness often together in Scripture, calling people to himself, calling people to repentance. Also, we see the kindness of God to the Gentiles. In Romans chapter 11, you have an interesting passage there, and you'll find it in verse 22. You also have it in your notes, if you have your notes before you. Romans chapter 11, verse 22 the Apostle Paul writes, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fail, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Then he continues to help us understand what he's speaking. And if you do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. Now he's speaking there of the Jews. Now, the first part was to the Gentiles. This second part is to the Jews. For God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut off of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? grafted into Christ, right? Grafted into him who is the root. But the Apostle Paul is clearly speaking to the church Gentiles, those who have come outside of the Jewish community, and he's speaking to them of God's kindness. But do not use God's kindness, right, as a license to sin. Do not take it for granted this kindness of God. In fact, God's kindness is to foster in every single one of us obedience, isn't it? God's kindness to us ought to foster in us by the Spirit kindness. Now, if I do not meditate upon God's kindness to me, you might see that I might have a hard time being kind myself. I think that's what the Apostle Paul says. It's if, if you don't abide in Christ, who is the ultimate example of kindness ever to walk the earth, you might stray like the Jews did. 
away from living for God who has demonstrated such glorious kindness to you through his son, Jesus Christ, and throughout history has shown kindness to his people, not only the Jews, but as we see here, to the Gentiles as well. God's kindness on display both with Jew and Gentile. But let's drill down deep. Let's look at the depths of God's kindness to us in Christ. This is where the real wells are. And I'm going to read two passages. One is in your notes. The other is not. The first is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's just spiritual gold. Kindness is this. Before we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, whose reign were we living under? The reign of Satan, the evil one, the prince of the air. In fact, my affections for God were dead. And at that time, when I had not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, or you had not be been believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, whose wrath were you under? God's wrath, isn't it? God's wrath. But what you find here is Christ, 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 Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, everywhere on the text. In fact, it says very clearly, because of his great love. His great love for rebellious, dead sinners. He sent his son to rescue you and me. A rebellious, dead sinner. In order that I would be made alive in who? In Christ. Who was crucified for me. It is by grace you have been saved. This, again, is something that you and I do not deserve. We do not deserve God's favor, but yet he gives it richly, generously to all who are in Christ Jesus. And in fact, verse 6 says some radical words for you and I. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you came to life, didn't you? And that life was so profound because it wasn't just life here on this earth, but that life is also in heaven. Who's in heaven right now? Jesus. Who are you united to? Jesus. That's richness, isn't it? 
So that when I pray to the Father, who's interceding for me at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty? Jesus, isn't it? What a kindness is that? I can enter the very halls of him who is the greatest power in all the universe and beyond. Through Jesus. Do I deserve this kindness? No, I deserve hell. I do not deserve heaven. I do not deserve the ear of the Almighty. I deserve hell. But what has God done? He gave me his son. Crucified for a wretch like me. Buried for a wretch like me. But resurrected for a wretch like me. For all those who are in Christ Jesus have also been resurrected from the dead, haven't they? They have been resurrected to new life. I don't know about you, that sounds like kindness to me. And in fact, what I do know is that this promise is forever. This glorying in Christ and in the Father is forever. And this kingdom and the king whose ear I have is forever. What in your life is forever? Not many things. Only this reality, only this kindness. That's God's kindness. That he would give us his only begotten son. I do like how the apostle Paul writes to Titus as he's ministry on the island of Crete. Says these word in, words in Titus chapter 3 verse 4, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Often you see these together. Kindness and love. He saved us not because of righteous things we have, had done. But because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that having been justified or declared righteous by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. In fact, it can be argued from the text that we see the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see God our Savior. Many see that as God the Father appeared. Now there's disagreements on that. But then we, office, we see also the work of the Holy Spirit giving us rebirth and renewal whom he poured out on us generously through none other than Jesus Christ, our Savior. To express his kindness to a wretch like me who does not deserve heaven but hell. What a kindness. If the doctrine of hell is swept away, the kindness is not as kind, is it? Then we're all deserving not to have his judgment. But the doctrine of hell says very clearly that you and I are all deserving of God's judgment. All of us. But instead... He's given you new life through faith in Jesus Christ and he dwells with you and he will forever be with you for all eternity. What a kindness he has bestowed upon us. 
It's the kind of kindness that should call us to give all of our being to him. Oh, that's right. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The whole of our being for this glorious kindness. Oh, the, the great pain, I think, studying the kindness of God is how unkind we can be. I think that's the problem. When you hear the kindness of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see your own unkindness by a word, a phrase, a look, a body language, and we all do it. We all exhibit some unkindness, and how can this be with such a rich kindness that has been bestowed upon us? But as you come under the weight of God's kindness, and I do believe it's a weight, it's a weight, a good weight, a comforting weight, but a revealing weight. It reveals our unkindness. It reveals how much more I need to grow in grace, how much more I need to be focused on his kindness to a sinner like me, how much more you need to be focused on God's kindness to you in Jesus Christ. Because I do not believe that we could grow in kindness if we're not focused on his kindness. It's his kindness that takes from the dirt of our souls and makes it alive and grows a, a harvest or grows fruit. Grows the fruit of the Spirit. And the Christian's call is obviously to kindness. And we see very clearly the kindness of forgiveness. I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see how he connects this understanding of kindness and compassion with forgiveness. And again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. We read that last week. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Put it on. This is who you are. Put on your clothes. Put on the kindness and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues... Put on love. You see that? Love again. Summarizing the fruit of the Spirit. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. The kindness of forgiveness. Isn't that a kindness? What did the Lord Jesus Christ do when the mob was mocking him and shouting all kinds of insults and profanities that were not even mentioned in the word of God because they could not be. What was he doing? What was he speaking into the darkness of people's souls? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The kindness of forgiveness. What did the mob deserve? God's kindness? God's wrath? Yes. God's wrath. Instead, they received the Lord Jesus Christ's kindness. 
And more importantly, God's kindness to them in taking that wrath and pouring it down upon his son. So that we would be forgiven. A Christian that does not forgive cannot be kind. Can we? Is forgiveness, does forgiveness make you vulnerable? Is it something that's hard? Because I believe kindness is something, as we heard from the definition, that's vulnerable. You become vulnerable. And some of you have very painful memories. Things were done against you that continue to come back in your memory, and they are very unpleasant, and they're very dark. And forgiving is hard, isn't it? It makes you vulnerable. But what do we still need to do? We still need to forgive. As Jesus said, again and again and again, and if it's 490 times, you keep going. Even when you don't want to. Because kindness actually exposes us. True kindness seeks not our own good, but the good of others. But when you live a life of forgiveness, the life of kindness, Aren't you being freed? And I've said this before, you're being freed by your, a prison of your own making. You see, God, when he calls us to kindness, he calls us to a life of freedom that Paul is exegeted in Galatians chapter five, to be free of this. And more importantly, when we forgive, Whose kindness are we magnifying? When you and I forgive, whose kindness are you magnifying? Why are you able to forgive? Because you have been, what do we say? Forgive us, our, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We forgive because we have been forgiven. So in forgiveness, you are magnifying the kindness of Almighty God to that person and to your heart. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? What a wondrous gift that God has given us to free us from so many horrible memories, for so many broken relationships, and those that continue. Help us, God, to forgive. And of course, there's the kindness of love. Remember, we said that earlier. We see that very clearly in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Isn't that interesting? Love is kind and love does not, it does not envy. That's exactly what was talked about in the definition as we started our time together. You'll see that on your notes. But the kindness of love. Paul is saying to the Corinthian church that was full of factions, full of selfishness, full of I'm better than you and I can do whatever I want in the body of Christ. Paul is saying, that's not kind. Love is kind. Love is kind. And we took, talked about this text last week as well. Love is patient. You can see these are all woven together, these fruit of the Spirit a beautiful tapestry that God is weaving for us to see how wondrous it is to pursue Christ, to crucify the sinful nature and to keep in step with the Spirit. This is life. It's the beautiful life. Jesus is saying, come and follow. Isn't that what he told his men at the, at the, at the shores of the Sea of Galilee? Come and follow. Follow me in the beautiful life, the really beautiful life. 
The life in which the Spirit was poured out upon them. The life which ignited them into all the world to reveal this wondrous beauty of God's love and forgiveness. The Apostle Paul, writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, writes about a, God, a man named Anesiphorus, the kindness of a friend. As you and I well know, the Apostle Paul had a tendency of spending a lot of time in the slammer. He just had a way of getting in trouble. And yet, each time, it appears that God meets his needs through the kindness of a friend. And he writes to Timothy in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 16, and he says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesiphorus because he has often refreshed me and has, was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Now, Paul is actually mentioning two periods of time in his life where Onesiphorus was a faithful friend that was kind. In Ephesus, in that ministry, because I believe uh, Onesiphorus came from a, a, a town very close, and he knew a guy named Philemon, or Philemon. You can pick up that story later, but he gets to Rome. Most people had abandoned the Apostle Paul at this time in his life, but not Onesiphorus. Not Onesiphorus. So his kindness was a risk. When he came to visit Paul, at this moment in Paul's life, just before his execution, there was a lot that he was risking, and yet he did not abandon Paul. The kindness of a friend. A friend that, well, like Jesus, that sticks closer than a brother. We talked about that this morning, don't we? didn't we? Isn't that what Jesus is? A friend that sticks closer than a brother, but I am so thankful for the kindness of friends. Aren't you? in those times when you were the lowest and God sent a kind friend to encourage. Thankful for them. We need them, don't we? Actually, we need the body of Christ because in the body of Christ, isn't it here that we share the kindness of God with each other? Isn't it here that it's to be manifest? And we even prayed about that, how people are writing notes and encouraging each other in the Lord. There's wonderful amounts of kindness happening and reverberating throughout this entire congregation. And we should give glory to that because that's God's, that's God's kindness manifest in us and among us. That's his work. That's his work in us. That's the fruit of of the Spirit to the glory of God and the help of Christians. But Jesus, of course, and the Proverbs teach something about kindness to our enemies. This is where it gets really sticky because often what we'd be like for our enemies, prosperity and good times, that's not our first reaction to our enemies. And yet, even in Proverbs 25, verse 21, we find if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you 
kindness to enemies. And for what reason? To heap burning coals on their head. I believe this is a, a metaphor for calling people to repentance. It's for their good that these burning coals are placed upon their heads. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 6, verse 35 says, but love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Doesn't Jesus know I'm short on cash? And I got to give to guys like this? This text is perplexed and challenged many. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And so the reason we are called to love our enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything is because the Most High is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And isn't that what you were once? Wasn't I that? I know I was ungrateful. Ungrateful for the covenant promises that I grew up with and wicked. But he was kind. He was kind. And that story can be retold again and again to every single one of us who are the saints. So we're to love our enemies. Now friends, you, you hear that right, right away, and I hear that right away, and I'm thinking, how deficient am I? How weak am I? Am I doing this? Am I loving my enemies? Most of us just grumble about our enemies and talk about our enemies. Am I doing good? This text at the very end is truly challenging for us because that's exactly how Jesus demonstrated his kindness at the cross. Kindness to his enemies. Were we not at one time enemies as Romans chapter 5 says? I was. But he showed his kindness. Friends, as the word shows us our deficiencies and our lack, what we do know is this, that the fruit of the Spirit and this particular fruit of the fruit of kindness is produced by abiding. It's produced by abiding in the fruit maker. Of course, that would be abiding in the Holy Spirit. But if you and I are to abide by the Holy Spirit, well, we then are abiding in Christ, aren't we? And Jesus is very clear to his disciples in the upper room discourse at the end of his life, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man ab remains in me or abides in me, I will, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you cannot be fruitful. Apart from me, you will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. So abide. 
remain. Brothers, how many of us are, do you feel this efficiency of your kindness? At least I do. And Christ is calling us in his kindness, isn't he? Come back. Come to the throne of grace. Abide with me. Abide in my kindness. Abide in my truths. And the fruit of the Spirit will be, well, it will produce on you because you're connected to me. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we are thankful for the, the fruit that you bear in us by your Spirit. And your Spirit has always directed us to the Son. And in the Son, we see you, O oh, Heavenly Father. Father, help us because I feel the poverty of my kindness knowing that I need to grow far more in kindness in all kinds of situations. But may that be fostered in our hearts by the work of your Spirit in us as we abide in Christ, as we abide in your Word, as we abide with you in prayer throughout the day, in this long wandering in which we are keeping in step with the Spirit. And like, a, like little kids... We just try to keep up with our, with Jesus. Help us, Jesus, we pray. Amen.